Okay, good morning and welcome to the tenth episode of uh, the Thought Experiments podcast. Um, I'd like to take a moment first of all to thank all our um, passionate listeners, um, especially those who join us on our Discord server and ask those brilliant questions which only enrich um, the discussions we have on a weekly basis. Um, today we'll be talking about a topic that really um, should be dear to every young African's heart and indeed dear to the heart of every uh, member of the African intelligentsia. Um, and that topic is how to enfranchise an ascendant African youth. Um, as many would know, but for those who don't, Africa is a majority young continent. So in essence, looking at the demographics of the continent, um, the preponderance of people in Africa can be defined as being young. About 226 million of its population um, fall within the age range of 0 to 24. Um, that number rises um, to over 70% of the overall population, about three quarters of Africa's population, when you make the age range 0 to 35. So if you are looking at that category of individuals and you realize that it is um, responsible for about 75% of all Africans, um, it then begs the question of how you know much of Africa's productivity, how much of Africa's wealth, how much of um, you know all that is going on in Africa, its politics is being controlled by this very vital demography. And... Um, you know, it is very obvious to see that it isn't very much. And that is what this whole discussion is uh, meant to interrogate. Um, another thing we notice, right, because this discussion is going to be centered around what I think are practical solutions, practical ideas that can be taken by um, African youths. So it's important for us to fully uh, contextualize the problem. And the major problem that faces um, the youth on the continent is that of unemployment. Um, general unemployment figures around Africa hover around 35%. Um, these are often state reported figures. And personally, I am very skeptical about state reported figures. But hey, let's take the state at its best, right? Um, because uh, the numbers reported around the continent usually hover around that 35% number. So let's let's go with that as what the general unemployment level for the continent is. But then when the African Development Bank conducts its survey, um, it finds that about 60% of you know, those who are within the um, age range of 15 to 25 are unemployed. And um, if you expand it to the age range of about um, uh, 15 to 35, that number comes down a bit, but it's still very high at over 50%. So we live ultimately on a continent where the most important block of people demographically, because we are the majority and you know, if we are applying democratic principles, the majority should um, at least be paid mind to, right? Um, the majority of Africans... Uh, in this very vital demography are ultimately unemployed and even those who are employed often are very much underemployed. So um, looking at the severity of this issue, it is um, no wonder that we find um, rampant um, vices being uh, perpetrated by members of this 
demography you find things from crime uh, all sorts of violence you find despondency in the use of drugs uh, you also find a lot of amazing things being done by this crucial block so the whole point of this interrogation today is how do we increase um, the positives um, that comes out of you know this demography and diminish the negatives but more importantly how do we rectify this democratic injustice where this very vital demography is ultimately the most impoverished um, demography, as unfortunate as that is. So I'm going to be talking about five ideas for an ascendant um, youth. And I think these ideas um, should be pursued very diligently if we wish to rectify this um, gross imbalance in fortunes. Um, so the very first idea I'm going to be talking about is how um, African youth need to disrupt legacy industries. Now, um, disruption is like a very buzzwordy um, type of word, uh, but I, I think nothing short of disruption really um, would bring about the sort of change that African youths desire. So let's let's unpack this. Um, by disrupting legacy industries, I mean um, increasingly. Um, we see, you know, the development of new modes of communication, new modes of networking, new modes of marketing, etc. Right? Even transportation itself is being fundamentally, you know, changed. Often these disruptions are uh, being driven by young people, even when those young people are not necessarily African, right? Um, and I think it is very essential for the balance of power in the society to change that, you know, young Africans uh, increasingly patronize these, you know, disruptive technologies over and above uh, legacy industries, right? So before talking about how individuals can be part of that disruption, let's talk about how we can, you know, foster that culture of disruption, right? So for one, I think if you are a young person, you should um, diminish your patronage of legacy media, right? If they are streaming services um, and then there are, you know, satellite services, you should prefer those streaming services, right? And my, my reasoning for this is, is simple because when you consider the modes of operation of um, legacy enterprises, they are often the most atavistic, the most resistant to change, right? These are um, often, you know, major media houses that are employing people on the basis of pedigree and, you know, connections. These are um, people who have executives who are way out of touch and are not giving sufficient light to issues which, you know, um, are pertinent to the very important demography that is the youth. So when you then center, you know, media houses that are more novel um, and more in touch with the youth, you know, yes, you are you are helping young people who may not necessarily be African, but you are also helping yourself because you are ultimately focusing on, you know, media platforms that, you know, prioritize your issue, that center, um, you know, issues that are pertinent to the youth. And because capitalism is how it is, ultimately the money would flow to where the eyeballs are. So the fewer people who are watching multi-choice and watching NTA and the likes, and the more people who are you know following young influencers who are curating quality media on youtube 
who are creating quality content on Instagram, the more that switch occurs, the more the marketing money, the more the, uh, the advertisement dollars would flow to those ventures that are more novel and more driven by younger people, right? So yes, it benefits young people, but yes, it also benefits, you know, um, the individual, the young individual who is switching away from those legacy media because the content often being produced by these young individuals is one that centers issues that are pertinent to a younger audience right so it is very important for us to disrupt legacy media and get them to realize that oh you know the the, the youth demography cannot be ignored right eventually they would panda for their survival uh, by employing more young people by creating more hip content and that i think is a win right but even if they do not panda by having the you know demographic uh, superiority um we simply would win any such contestation if they choose not to you know update their programming their hiring and you know other such facets of their operation um so it is very important for us to also realize that um you know entrenched structures monopolies you know centers of gerontocratic wealth um are often very exclusionary to young people let's say um you are conflicted as a young person who is looking to open their very first bank account you are conflicted about whether or not to patronize one of these new fintech startups um and and use their platforms uh more than you know you would a a, a regular bank what you should realize is um unfortunately because of how much the barrier of entry is financial that is um to become a stakeholder in these established um, financial behemoths um they often do not have as many young people benefiting from the wealth that is being created by their enterprise so if you are a young person desirous of you know fixing <laughs> this um uh, power imbalance this financial imbalance that um, afflicts young people you should be you know supporting more of these younger um, uh, firms not only because they are very innovative their services are often better in a lot of ways um, not only because uh, these these services are usually more dynamic and perhaps the, the barrier of entry is like you know lower you know they have more intuitive user interfaces um, because they are being designed for young people oftentimes by young people as well right but also because um the way we achieve societal redistribution of not just wealth but also of power is by making sure that young people can gain capital they can have successful businesses and then we can challenge for power contesting elections and you know be able to fix um the, the, the problematic systems that exist so if you do want a change in the politics you must encourage a change in the economics and that change in the economics must be done by voting with our wallets first of all so i think for young people that should always be a very serious consideration right um the second idea is you know one of collectivization and positive discrimination right so i have already you know alluded to this earlier when i was speaking about how we as young people need to privilege young owned businesses privilege disruptive technologies privilege um startups and enterprises which are led by um, young people but beyond that right there is a need for greater collectivization so um you know you find when young people are succeeding you know all sorts of um 
let's say maybe not quite solidarity right because you, you find people who question their wealth you find people who you know do all sorts to undermine them i mean no doubt it's still legitimate to question people when um they they seem shady but i think just like it has been advocated in uh, you know the black community especially in the united states that there is greater need for collectivization, supporting of black-owned businesses, just generally stunning um, black people, or whether it's in the feminist movement, you know, supporting women when they are exceeding, like that whole yes queen attitude needs to be brought into you know um, um, relations with fellow young people. I often find that young people who are succeeding are the most skeptical of other young people, which is like really, really problematic because this is the demography that is essential to, you know, um, catapulting your ventures to even greater height. But often you find, you know, young people once, you know, we succeed, um, shutting the door behind us, pulling up the ladder and essentially, you know, not helping others. I think enterprises like venture capitalist firms that are um, led primarily by young people need to increasingly um, prioritize their resources to encouraging you know young startups encouraging ventures that educate and franchise and improve the fortunes of young people because you are investing in your own markets in the people who would patronize your own businesses and platforms but ultimately right you know, you are just doing what I think is um, democratically fair. On a principled level, the majority demography shouldn't be as impoverished as young people currently are. So this collectivization and feeling of, you know, brotherhood and uh, cooperation needs to transcend um, things like race, things like a tribe, even things like nationality. And the reason why, you know, this is very important is because, you know, in as much as there are many um, um, characteristics that separate young people, whether it's nationality or even socioeconomic class. The truth is the, the commonality that unites young people across Africa, you know, is our powerlessness, right? Even if you are born to a very wealthy family um, and you are born essentially into power, you are still, um, you know, yielding power that is ultimately in the control of your parents, what course you'd study, what places you'd go to, what people you'd associate with are all oftentimes dictated by your own parents. Even when you are born into good fortune, your fortunes are not really in your hand. So regardless of class or religion or any of these other um, um, factors, young people across the continent are united by our powerlessness right so everyone needs to at least um looking at the shared interest um collectivize so that you know we can increasingly um fix that problem then you know the third idea i think is is very important for us to act upon is you know to take bold risk and buck the system right you know i see a lot of young people often um you know talking in in terms that are reminiscent of um you know what the formula for success in older generations was oh i need to go to school i need to study you know certain conventional courses you know whether it's medicine or engineering or whatnot right um i need to then look for a job in some you know legacy firm or the other like these are great when it works for people, but what the unemployment numbers show us is that for over 50% of the youth demography, it clearly is not working, right? Because, you know, these are people who often are educated to a point, who often 
you know, have um, um, uh, the, the traditional notions of what it means to be successful. So they've done the, the courses which they've been told are prestigious. But yet they come out of, you know, um, higher institutions and have no jobs, right? We need to buck the system. The next billion cannot be made the same way the last billion was, right? Like the market is fundamentally shifting. And as young people, we should have more of um, um, a, a, a proximity to what the Zegheist is. Like we should know what the spirit of the times dictates. What we should be doing is having our fingers on the pulse. And I think, you know, this um, is something that would yield, you know, very disruptive modes of action. So let me give you a few examples. Um, rather than going to school to study engineering, great as that is, Oftentimes, the curriculum is not at par with what industry requires. So, you know, an engineering degree perhaps at MIT where most of the cutting-edge research in maybe the, the, the United States or Stanford is being conducted is great. Like, that's amazing. You know, an engineering um, degree perhaps in the Indian Institute of Technology, which produce some of the best engineers in the world, is amazing as well. Like, it's perfect. But, like, why are you a young kid in Kenya going to study engineering? Like, your curriculum often hasn't even caught up to free courses you can find on Coursera, right? Like, you could easily save yourself a lot of money by pursuing very, you know, uh, rigorously um, hands-on experience in industry, studying very diligently online, and making stuff yourself, like dedicating four, five years um, to being self-taught, interning, getting all these opportunities. Let's say, for example, one wanted to pursue a career in computer engineering. Like so many um, um, challenges and hubs um, exist that one can showcase uh, their, their prowess, like from challenges on GitHub and all sorts of coding um, hackathons that have been organized around the world. Those would be easy ins, right? Things that one could do to show um, their ability and their skill to whatever employer it is um, that they are trying to be marketable to. Saving all of those, you know, tens of thousands of naira or dollars um, that they would have spent or wasted, to my mind, um, attending traditional institutions whose curriculums have not adapted, right? You want to be a creative. You want to be a writer. New media is there for you to do all sorts of amazing things. From Wattpad, where you can be creative and write your own stories and books, to, you know, people who are creating novel contents, comedic contents on Instagram and Twitter, right? So, like, as a young up-and-coming individual, you must, first of all, explore the disruptive part and resist the urge to, you know, uh, conform to what the system has historically told you to be. That to be a journalist means um, you must have gone to school and studied journalism and then gotten the right internships. That really isn't, you know, <laughs> what perhaps the best part going forward might be, right? Like, get an education, of course. Be numerate, be literate, be capable of expressing yourself um, as, as clearly as your, your thoughts demand, right? However, you need to explore what the peculiarities of um, the, the career that you wish to pursue require and what they will require going forward into the future. If you can take maybe a short um, two-year 
degree um, or you know a diploma just so you have something that can be termed a tertiary education right but then all that while focusing on building your skill set that is necessary for the evolving job market i think you'll be way better off than an individual you know who spends time slaving to conform to the system taking examinations only to come out and realize that there exists no past questions for the challenges that are present in the workplace uh, workplace right so um i think it's very important that these bold risks are taken and the bucking of the system is done especially considering the fact that many young people can't even afford the system to begin with i mean using nigeria as an example over 1.8 million people take the joint admission matriculation board exams which is necessary to gain admission into um tertiary institutions in the country annually right that's essentially the population of some countries and of that number, there are only um, you know enough spaces to accommodate some six hundred thousand or thereabouts of those young people. So even if you say you want to um, conform to the dictates of the system, the structural barriers that currently exist, the capacity issues, would prevent you from doing that, right? So why not begin with the premise of you know how do I make myself relevant? How do I earn a living, whether it's by getting employed or owning in this evolving marketplace, right? And when you begin by thinking like that, the, the, the application of such first principles thinking would lead you to what I dare say is a radically different um, uh, part, right? And, and ultimately better one, right? Because you're essentially future-proofing yourself. Imagine you are someone who has covered occurrences in your community. Um, you have like extensive experience, you know, covering whatever the trending issues is. Like, look at the George Floyd protests going on in the US. There are many people getting, you know, their come up essentially um, by covering these protests. Young people who have created YouTube channels and are reporting about it. Look at disruptive, you know, media, um, uh, new media um, spaces like the Young Turks um, on YouTube who are an entirely new media-based operation, right, that are rivaling the likes of CNN in terms of their reportage and investigative journalism prowess. Like, the the disruptive um, potential is, is, is rife in every industry. You just need to take some time and think about it long and hard. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people would find that it is not only cheaper, but it is also wiser um, to pursue the disruptive part than conforming to the system the fourth um tip or idea I, I would like to put out is you know that we need to be courageous and <laughs> take thanos's advice right essentially we need to aim for the head um studying history is is really very fascinating because um you know as much as uh, uh, uh people you know fail to realize um not only are there so many lessons um, that can be gleaned from history, but so many parallels exist in history that can be instructive on um, how to move forward. So let, let me just use two examples of this. Um, some of the, the boldest people um, you would find in history were um, the you know young Africans who were you know part of the anti-colonialist uh, movement. Sometimes I sit back and I think about it. The likes of Herbert Macaulay, um, you know Jomo Kenyatta, like many you know leaders across Africa who were strong anti-colonial leaders. Uh, like the, the the thought of how these individuals could even dare at the time challenge what was the world power, right? 
it's just something I find, you know, confounding. But that is the exact level of boldness that young people in this generation require, right? Like the boldness to be able to look at the dominant military and economic power at the time and say, look, we are going to fight you if that's what we need to do. <laughs> we are going to lead insurrections against your army, which we know is very dominant and powerful if we have to do that. Or you know, you should come negotiate with us. Like, who are these uppity young men who think, you know, they, they can rule entire colonies that uh, the, the British, the French, etc., had been spending decades honing their administrative ability uh, on, right? So, like, you know, whether or not we think they failed in the administration of our country's post-independence, we must, you know, adopt that level of boldness that level of self-assuredness and i think without that really um uh you know the state of things is likely to remain how it is um because i mean one of one of the most fascinating group of individuals you know is the the cool set of 1966 so non-nigerian non-nigerian listeners of the program may not really know much about the the coup of 1966 um this was like a counter coup that ended up removing um, General Agui Ironsi, who was of Igbo extraction and um, had taken over government after uh, a coup, a previous coup called the Major School, which was launched by uh, Major Cardinal Ziogo and a couple of others, um, to remove the then very corrupt um, elites of the country, right? This school, unfortunately, uh, came to be seen as very tribalistic and, you know, it, it created a lot of resentment in uh, military officers who were of the northern extraction primarily. Um, and these individuals then did a counter coup in 1916. Okay, 1966 rather. So um, that history lesson over. It's it's very instructive looking at the, the set, the individuals who were responsible for that coup. And when you do that, when you look at the likes of, you know, Murtala Mohammed, you look at Teofilos Danjuba, you look at Abba Kiari, who just died, um, unfortunately, due to Corona, or some would even say fortunately, because he wasn't so very well liked. Um, you, you, you look at, uh, oh, no, sorry, that's another Abba Kiari. You look at uh, Martin Adamu, you look at, um, you know, Ibrahim Taiwo, who was military governor of, Lake, um, of Kwara State, Muhammadu Buhari was part of that set, our incumbent president, Ibrahim Babangida, another former head of state. Like the, the list is very oh Sanya Bacha, I've also forgotten, um, was also part of that you know group of coup plotters. Just looking at the sets of individuals who were central to that one event, you would find that you can account for Nigeria's political development from 1966 till date because those individuals have either directly ruled this country the likes of abacha buhari uh, muritala babangida right or they've had like very very powerful positions in government from james onoja ibrahim taiwo um you know uh, ty danjuma etc and even when they were not directly in government um you know the likes of babangida and likes um ultimately had very huge sway over people like obasanjo um you know when they had their military and even their civilian government what i mention all of this to demonstrate is the fact that you know one group of individuals tightly knit well collectivized and maybe you would say very very ambitious can ultimately change the destiny 
of a country from plotting one coup which they were not punished for <laughs> they've ultimately reaped the benefit of ruling nigeria for the last 60 years well okay maybe um 54 years excluding the first six that is impressive now that is not saying their rulership has been impressive um you know nigeria is where it is very underdeveloped as many of us would agree but what is impressive is how you know these very very young um officers way back then um you know could collectivize and ultimately change the destiny of a country now i am not advocating for any sort of you know cool violence revolution or whatnot but whether it is the application of this same principle this same ambition this same you know collectivization with a bunch of friends in maybe the economic realm or a bunch of young leaders who are rising in politics that narrowness and, and, and singularity of focus can yield amazing results. And Nigeria's history is, is a perfect um, um, case study of that. And all across Africa, you would find, you know, similar histories, right? And I think ultimately, um, you know, young people need to learn from those occurrences and re realize the power of collectivization and very, very large ambitions, right? Like we must aim for the head, we must aim for the top, we must aim for control of, you know, the, the, the scheme of things. Anything less than that would not suffice. Then the final thing I will talk about is organization. Like we must organize, organize, organize. Um, revolutions, whether they are the violent or the peaceful kinds, are led. Revolutions are not, you know, accidental. They can be fortuitous, uh, but if, you know, a revolution is to succeed, it cannot be, you know, without leadership. A revolution cannot be without ideology. A revolution cannot lack structure, right? And whenever revolutions have failed or in turn been captured by problematic forces, it is often because they lacked these characteristics that I have mentioned. So let, let's look at some examples of that. Like look at the Egyptian um, Arab Spring Revolution much lauded when it occurred everybody felt oh wow after four decades of you know hosni mubarak we are going to have you know an improvement in the fortunes of people but unfortunately today you know general al-sisi is you know back in power he's essentially you know mubarak 2.0 uh um mohammed morsi who had won elections um legitimately even though you may not like the muslim brotherhood and their politics and their platform he had won elections legitimately was so badly treated in fact ultimately imprisoned till he died right <laughs> so mercy was the outcome of the revolution an election brought in you know a popular uh, figure from a, a well-liked even though very controversial uh, movement the muslim brotherhood but what happened the, the forces of the establishment came back, they took power, and they essentially threw that figurehead of the revolution in jail until he died. Lacking proper structure, you know, can doom a movement, can doom a people. Lacking collectivization is, is, is very, very fatal, right? Um, today is not the day for us to unpack the ways in which the Brotherhood, um, you know, failed to consolidate power and lacked um you know a, a proper theoretical grounding for you know emerging as as the dominant power in egypt like that's not for today's discussion we're talking about the african youth right but then lessons can be learned from that as well right so in summation 
I think um, that uh, the, the, the statistics are really appalling. Um, if you are a young person, even if you are not, you know, a young person, you are um, a, a boomer or um, regardless of your generation, you really must be concerned when 75% of your population are within the age range of 0 to 35 and yet within that demography there is about um um uh, 60% unemployment like it's 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 really really disheartening and if these measures are not taken and power is not peacefully transitioned wealth is not peacefully redistributed i unfortunately foresee you know very very calamitous events occurring like it may be some revolution it may just be rises in insecurity we're already seeing massive amounts of that mind you like you know the frustration that leads so many young people in northern nigeria to join groups like boko haram right the 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 calamity that is occurring all across africa with a massive brain drain and, and young people you know endangering their lives crossing the sahara to get to europe like all of that is is potentially destructive for our communities right so regardless of what generation you belong to this problem must worry you and i think these ideas um you know are at least a, a step for us to begin to you know interrogate um, those problems and make serious headway so now we are going to turn to our community on discord as we very usually do um to get those amazing questions um then uh, i would provide you know more analysis on those questions so um on the discord platform we have a question from at hurricane um are africans capable of developing the continent without western or eastern support oh uh, well <laughs> um I, I believe all people are indeed capable of you know self-help would the development be accelerated if we had um you know global solidarity of course um i think that question can similarly be applied to the youth are uh, young people capable of um development without being you know taken up or <laughs> improved essentially by um the older generations I think the answer is yes. Would that development be quicker if we had the support and and you know the the advocacy uh, uh, for young people's causes from the older generations? I think the answer is also yes, right? So, but then I don't think we need to be handicapped or um, begin hand wringing simply because you know we do not have westerners or easterners supporting us or because we do not have older generations um investing in you know enterprises predominantly led by young people right so that is the the last thing you know the least productive thing we can essentially do right um the next question we get from Atta beams is that there has been a lot of advocacy on the involvement or the need for the youth to begin to stand together and cause change. But yet we still have few youths in Nigeria, for example, in positions to cause serious change. What do you suggest as the most important thing youths need to do in status quo to suppress the power of these aged, um, corrupt leaders that do not have our interest at heart and just want to remain in power? 
this um unfortunately is the biggest lie <laughs> that young people have you know been telling ourselves like um no offense abims but it is not true that young people are not in positions of power young people are in every position of power it just depends on your conception of power so let me give you a few examples of this the rich politician who is having their monies transferred from one nigerian bank account to the other is often not doing that themselves right um you know their driver their secretary these are people who have all sorts of access to their corrupt dealings right you know even the the underling the the clerk in their enterprise which oftentimes is going to be a younger person has so much access so much evidence right now of course we know how corrupt the judiciary can be and the fact that you know many of these individuals um, may still escape punishment because the acolytes control the investigatory agencies but that notwithstanding young people can be actively involved in shaming and taking down these you know very corrupt individuals and their corrupt practices there are young people who have access to all these very important documents that can leak them right wikileaks exists for for crying out loud and that's the reason there are you know alternative platforms for publishing these things sahara reporters would very willingly you know publish um you know very damning material about political corruption even though the nigerian television authority the nta and other such in the states um, um broadcast uh behemoth would not publish such documents so the point is if we say young people are not in positions of power then it means we have bought into the lie that positions of power simply are only those positions where you know one has very grand titles you are in a position of power when you are a driver to a criminal and you can report you know their criminality and you know improve society that way you are in a position of power when you are a system administrator for a company that is fraudulently you know uh, enriching themselves at the expense of the nigerian people and you can leak you know data about that fraudulent activity you're in a position of power as a secretary when you know <laughs> you can have um, um records of you know all sorts of shady dealings between these people but let's let's look at you know we let's leave whistleblowers and um people who should be acting out of moral conscience for a sec right because you know maybe those individuals feel oh um, it's it's more important for them to eat <laughs> than for the country to be better okay no problem um but let's look at young people who actually are wielding power for the you know destruction the active destruction of um, our communities it's not buhari or any other politician who you know disrupts elections as it is so um euphemistically described disrupting elections in quotes often means you know people have been shot people have been threatened violence has been used um all sorts of you know um, um, um anti-democratic activities have occurred these are often being done by young people so what position of power don't we have when we are essentially the arm that is wielding the stick of corruption or the stick of violence and oppression right like so young people are in all the positions of power indeed young people have the power 
whether it's the voting numbers so when you are choosing not to vote and you're allowing older you know bigoted um tribalistic relatives to go to the voting then you complain oh young people are not getting power or you know detribalized nigerians are not getting power well it's your fault because you know the more um um you know bigoted uh generation are having a larger say so youth apathy is power being relinquished by young people youth complicity in violence is power being wielded in support of the problematic systems youth silence in corruption and all sorts of problematic activities is power <laughs> being used to further the destruction of the country so young people have all the power the problem is we are misusing that power so i think from all those levels essentially um we can make humongous change to the polity the last question um for today's episode um is by at taufik on the platform and it's in it goes thus right in trying to secure a change do you do people okay do you people join already existing structures and run through the ranks or form new ones with new ideologies okay um yeah this is this is a very um important dilemma right that i know many young people have have struggled with do you join the system in quotes and make it better from the inside right or do you you know um stay out of it and and try to reform it look um i would not say there is a single answer to that question always right um I think the answer depends but i think you know there are a couple of things we must be very honest about with ourselves a lot of young people um you know do not really want to stand a lot of young people do not really want to stand against um the systems that be because first of all you know they want a career they want to be comfortable etc <laughs> so it's easier to say oh no it's 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 way too difficult to stand outside the system you can't get anything done okay all the people who have gotten into the system what have they gotten done right we have had professors we have had pastors we have had um you know malams imams we've had all sorts of individuals get into the system what have they done if young people are to be very brutally honest with ourselves, you would find that a lot of the time, that whole I am joining the system to make it better is bullshit. It's simply an acquiescence to the fact that, um, you know, the, the, the system is so powerful, I am afraid I would fail. So let me just get in there and at least secure my daily bread. I cannot begrudge you, you know, survivor. I cannot begrudge any young people for doing that. But be honest that that is exactly what you are doing. However, there are people who legitimately are going into the system to sabotage it, to provide the receipts, the leaks, the evidence that, you know, I spoke about earlier, right? There are such people. Many young people who claim they are going into the system are not doing any such thing. They go to the same meetings, they sign the same deals, they spew the same ethnically and racially and religiously bigoted narratives. They do all the same things the, the current system is doing, but the only difference is they are young. I don't think such individuals should be entertained at all. You can't accept that bullshit of going in and changing the system because they are not changing anything, right? So we need people who, if they do say they are going in to change the system, will indeed change the system. Resign when problematic things are occurring, right? If you indeed went in there for change. When you are there, decampaign problematic practices and, and bring about a change, 
right there are so many ways of leveraging new media creating twitter trends and showing that the public is behind whatever it is you stand for that i honestly do not believe relying on the old systems of organization is our only option so let's look at the other option building new systems this is why i spoke earlier about increasing collectivization amongst young people look if young people are standing each other hard we would not need the old established systems the reason why many young people cannot you know in quote stand against that system is because you cannot afford to the system has you know accumulated all the money it has accumulated all the power right you cannot defeat an entrenched system by competing with it apple did not create a better nokia 3310 it changed the paradigm you cannot disrupt monopolies by you know trying to out monopolize the monopoly <laughs> like there's a reason it's a monopoly so that's why i think fundamentally everybody who says they want to go into the system to change it is you know misjudging right the amount of difficulty the amount of resistance the amount of resilience that the system has most likely you are not better than all the professors and imams and pastors and whoever else have gone in there and have failed you are not the most likely thing is that when you go in there you'll be captured by the system right but if you recognize how powerful the system is if you recognize how powerful its monopoly is you will not try to out monopolize a monopoly you will not try to build a nokia 3310 that is better than nokia as apple right you will build an iphone you will disrupt the system you would crowdsource contributions rather than relying on godfathers you will utilize twitter and you know young people who are in all those platforms to get evidence and the campaign and embarrass the problematic individuals that are controlling those systems you want to contest against a corrupt person who is you know running for senate you 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 get the the, the receipts right you show this individual to be problematic you engage the people in manners um, um that are you know novel so these people cannot easily react and squash your 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 process and ultimately i think you know we would win right if we are thinking dynamically so um, I want to thank everyone for joining us um, for today's episode. I hope it has been very engaging. Um, happy 10th week <laughs> um, anniversary to this podcast and our very awesome listeners who have made all of this possible. Um, see you all next week. Thank you.